Ahoy, mi hearties! Hail and well met, adventurers. It's the Vagabonds from the Crown Killers at D&D Valiant Odyssey here, guys. Welcome back to another episode. I have Shavi, Jasui, Drew, and Key. When we last left off, there was a bit of internal strife amongst the Crown Killers. And after a good fisticuffs, a good blow to blow, Jasui and Key were rounded up by their fellow allies, Shavi and Drew, who gave them some chances to cool off as they all had a conversation about their mutual goals. In doing so, a blast from the past occurred and Key interacted with Milo, an enemy of old. However, their goals seemed to be aligned after revealing the information that poor Felix had fallen in battle to Delnak the Outcast. They decided that an alliance would be struck, at least for the meantime, until that foe is fallen. We cut in now. As morning breaks, a dark tabaxi hood over his head stands upon an awning the roof. Sun rises above the horizon of the Demos Gulf in Meditiri. You watch and see the city's ships come alive and you can watch as ships exit and entry enter the port mouth which you can see is occupied by two large lighthouses that lead out to the sea. You can see trade beginning to occur and you also see to your back in the light now a large hill-like structure that seems to have wooden buildings atop it that seems to have a wooden rampart that goes all the way around and this large structure that seems to be built on the top. You can see sails adorning it and you can see a massive emblem of what looks like a skull and a crown on top of it. As you look at that, we cut into the room where you see a sleeping Drew, just we and Shavi who are just now awakening. Oh, I've been pacing back and forth actually. Waiting for everybody to wake. Yeah. Because right. that's what helps do. So it gets to dawn and you can see Key out on the, the window still. I've been attuning my ring of disguise. So I've now got a uh, quite the scruffy beard. Uh, shorter cut hair. It's all, all my hair is black now. I've, I'm showing a few years. So there's some wrinkles around the face. Still pretty, uh, still pretty same sort of body size. Just, uh, you know, looking quite a bit different, a bit scruffier. You look like Tom Wood. Yeah, 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 yeah. I do. I look like our good friend, uh, Monsieur Thomas Wood. Shout out to Zeus. And uh, with that comes, uh, obviously, it's a a new disguise, a new persona. So with that uh, comes a new accent. So continues pacing and then it's a good... uh, Everybody, up and down. Let's go, let's go, let's go. You wake up and see this absolute stranger in the room with you. Wake up. The fuck are you? Blades are out. Oh, oh, put him down there, partner. We're all good. Time to get a new face. Time to get a new voice. Uh, these things happen. Oh, good. That is party. unmistakably just we. Fuck's sake. <laughs> you see, there is an element of handsomeness to him, but instead of being a glamour handsome now, it's more rugged handsome. Um, a lumberjack and that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> As you look towards him, Key, I imagine you make it back into the room, uh, climbing atop the windowsill, opening the balcony door slash window and you see somebody standing in Jasui's spot matching his mannerisms but looking nothing like he used to in saying that I, I, I look at him and go is that you Jasui how are you doing there little partner oh he sounds different too I um jump up and just sit on the my top bunk waiting for everyone to be roused you hear the tavern below has not quietened one bit and it seems to now be a theme to you that this is an ever living and breathing sort of element the Black Tide Tavern goes on all hours now how does getting out rustling ourselves up some grub downstairs and uh, talking about our next move sound to everybody else right here good because uh, myself and Shavi need to tell you some things that happened last night while you were asleep oh that sounds excellent get along there little doggy <laughs> you mocking me we Ah, <laughs> as we walk away, slapping each other on the back. No, you're doing knee slaps all the way down the hall. That's awesome. <laughs> all right. So as you make your way down, a plate of glorious breakfast is shoved in front of your face as breakfast is served. I'll say this conversation happens whilst you eat. So last night, uh, Milo came to outside our room and spoke to me. Shavi was there too. He has advised me that one of my, probably my only dear friends, um, is no longer living and has been killed 
Oh, R.I.P. there, partner. By Delnek. Ooh. I hate that greasy head, son of a bitch. So, um, as Shavi was also um, witness to, he has tried to recruit myself. And in turn, I've asked if we could come too. And he said if, um, if we get ourselves ready, we can meet him and we will face Delnek together. But in saying that, naturally, we can't trust Milo, the fire monk. We don't know for certain what he said is completely true. I do know this medallion belonged to my friend. Didn't you you say now this fire monk hated your guts? He still does, and I do him. You know, like, but why would he look for you for help if uh, he hates your your guts unless it's true? I think he doesn't know who Felix's um, friends were. He knew that I was, and another person called Halrod. But he found me. We've always had a kind of connection because we grew up together, even though he was like a bully to me and made me watch my best friend at the time get decapitated. That really messed me up. In saying that, this is the only lead I have to find out what happened to Felix. And naturally, I don't expect you guys to come along. Well, I mean, the way I see it, right now we got one mission. And that is the one that we got paid for in half. And that's to talk to the Fire Legion Angel. You know, we, we want to be here for Shavi, and Shavi's got some unfinished business here, so I don't think we can just leave with this Milo character. I respect that. We've all got what we want to do. If anyway, if it leads to going up against Delnak, we're going to need some help. That's it. Like, Delnak seems to keep reappearing. As much as I try to get away from him, he always draws me back in. Go up against that tough son bitch. You're gonna need an army. I'll go find one if I have to. Where will we find one of those? Well, I mean, I suppose we could take an army off these copper ring slaving sons of bastards. If we free them, they might be forever, eternally in our favor. Well, I'm sure freeing them and uh, giving them some gold to maybe fight for a cause might be a little bit of a... Uh, a push in our direction. The state of some of these poor souls. Bit of coin, the chance to fight for their freedom. I think we go a long way. And just, hopefully, Shava, you can get some answers as well. Just so I'm clear here, we are proposing to ourselves at this table to raise a slave army and march on Delta. Will that be enough? I'm Yeehaw, let's do it. <laughs> I'm in. You finish up your breakfast. You watch as the sun is well and truly in the sky, it being early morning. But you do hear the cause and yeehaws and various different pirating from people around the area. You also see uh, a particular group of people that seem to be conversing and that breaks out into conflict as you watch as like breakfast gets flipped up and into the, another person's face and they start punching on each other as you guys begin making your way out of this this uh, black tide tavern that seems to house a lot of the the people within actually just just before we leave I think I might have a, another light bulb moment as well and tell the group that this Delnax we're one of the most terrifying beings that we've ever come across and I look at the guys and I think, I think I know where we might find another creature that could be equally terrifying. And I point towards, I guess, the coast where I'm sure the guys would realize that I'm talking about the turtle dragon, Demos Tortuga. You remember the echoing roar that filled you from your bones to your flesh, searing every nerve as it did so. Now, tell me, Druid. How in the light of day and all that is, is, are we going to take down mm. a turtle dragon named Deimos Tortuga? In all honesty, I have no idea. But if we could somehow either strike a deal or capture the creature, I definitely think that would go a long way into the battle against Delnak if it were to unfold. Roll history check. Twelve. Seven. No one. 14. Jasui and also Drew, you guys remember being told by Redessa Reed, your sister-in-law, Jasui, that Demos Tortuga is being paid a tithe 
by the pirate lords of Mediteri. The pirate lord in question at the moment, or there is multiple pirate lords, but the one they all answer to is called the Crown Corsair. And you know as well that the charming cutthroat seems to have some liaison with these pirate lord individuals. The Crown Corsair is in direct partnership with Shark Denver, uh, who you had previously known to be the leader of the Copper yeah. Ring. So yeah. we, we know this and we yes, can talk about this. It sounds like we need to uh, make a new deal on behalf of the Pirate Lords. I don't think that this uh, Dark Denver character for the Copper Ring needs to be around to see that. I like where your head's at. I think we could maybe base that get it and i mean if we take out this shark denver there's no stopping us from taking over his operations and freeing some people for our cause i'm thinking uh we and i do mean all of us collectively may need to be having a aggressive negotiation with a one shark denver i'm always down for anything with the covering let's pay him a visit but oh. as you guys as you guys walk through the the city now, and you begin making your way down the the main arcway past the bazaar you had uh, previously walked through, yep. um, you dodge a bucket of refuse being thrown out of the window. As you begin making your way in a southerly direction through the city, you immediately lock eyes on a very large towering uh, mountain that has this wooden structure atop it and this massive sail that seems to be billowing in the wind and shining in the sun. On it, you can see the symbol of a skull and a. Uh, illustrious crown on top of it looking at that you can see that as you look around as well you can also see probably 50 feet away from you a gentleman talking with another individual both having big leathers on and you can see them both have cutlasses and as they're talking to each other you can also see that they have uh, a bandana that seems to have that same logo on the side of their bandana I really like the look of their there's a their livery I think we should take that it's the crown killers as you say that, you begin making your way towards the structure you know to be the Mint of Mediterri, just sweet. And as you get there, you round the corner and you can see what used to be an illustrious building made of white marble that towered three stories into the air is now crumpled into one story that seems to have this wooden structure built on top of it. You can see that it says bank written on a wooden sign, although it seems to have been scrawled in charcoal or something like that. On the bank as well, you can see the symbol of the skull and the crown. Again, at that, you can see as well that there seems to be two piratish individuals standing at the front of it. Ahoy, me hearties. As you say that, you look at one and he appears to be a, a shorter humanoid. And you can see next to him, there is a, a bluish looking elf. And they both sort of look to you and they raise an eyebrow. The blue individual says, I'm terribly sorry, young sir. Speak up. I said, ahoy, me hearties. What brings you to the crown course as mint? We seek Ooh. the booty. You're bloody hell. You've got <laughs> uh, to hand it to halflings because, you know, they can't reach it for themselves. Uh, Ignore my friend at the moment. I think he's having some sort of conniption. You watch as the short human moves forward to you and he has like a donut beard. And as he gets towards you, he kind of like pulls his scimitar out. And he says, if you're not here for business, you need to leave. Oh, I was going to say as he went to pull it out, can I kick down with my foot kick his Kick the sword back into its sheath. Roll a sleight of hand check in response to hit. He got a four, beat a four. That's seven. Between both of you, it becomes this fumble fest. Like he goes to grab it and pull it out a little bit, but he misses and then he goes to grab it again and you like kick it and you're playing like footsies with the thing. Yeah. And you guys are just looking there in a moment and the little elf, uh, the, the blue elf looks towards all of you and says, if you two are quite done. Well, uh, there's no need for weapons drawn here. We've been given an operation by the Crown Corsair himself. Where to stand guard at this here mint holds all of his treasure. We've come to see about uh, about making a withdrawal from this here bank. I don't know if you take writs for gold. Don't know what you've heard, but ever since the Crown Corsair and the Pirate Lords have taken over Mediterri, everything that was in the mint previously forthwith now belongs to the Crown Corsair himself. I am not arguing that fact. I am just merely inquiring whether or not he would take writs for gold. Okay. And you watch as they make their way to the side. And they say, as the elf goes in, you better have something worth bargaining for. Okay. You begin walking in. As you do so, these wooden doors open, and that is part of the frame that remains from the elder building. And as you do so, the tiled floor seems to be extremely well kept. You walk up and you can see this large dais that seems to house a wooden 
uh, almost like a judge's gavel sort of station. And you can see sitting atop there is an older man that has this ring of curly white hair that goes down. You can see him like balancing ledges as he does so. Next to him and down on the floor, you can see lots and lots of slaves, probably about 10 to 12 of them that seem to be moving gold billions and bars and also crates of different sizes just around as per his instruction. He says, no, no, not there. No, you need to move that over to the left. That is part of the Crown Corsair's treasury. No, no, this one's for demos. Put that over there. Oh, you can't find good help here. And then after that, he sees you. They are the Crown Ass here, I presume. Uh, no, the Crown Corsair resides on Corsair Tower. You might have seen it. It's in the north. You can't miss the sale. I, I feel like you that joke went straight over your head. No, I just don't pay any mind to tomfoolery in my mint. What are you here for? Foolery. His name is Drew, not Tom. He watches, he like clicks his fingers and he shouts past you and he says, Guards, you need to remove these gentlemen. They're not here for business at all. And you watch as the guards begin to make their way towards you. Wait, wait, I have a, I have a, I have a receipt. You watch as he flicks down these spectacles and you pull out the receipt that you've been carrying since day one, trinket. And as he takes it, he looks towards it and he looks towards you. He reads it. Glasses on top of his nose and he says, Is this your receipt? As far as I know, yes. I feel like if you're going to give out receipts to valued customers, you should really remember that you are the one in charge of this mint. And any receipt that you give is automatically a transaction that you must honor, my friend. 28. He looks a bit flustered as he as he rolls the receipt up and he says, well, yes, it's, it's the honor of the mint to pay forward any receipt. What good is paperwork if you don't follow that paperwork? And you watch as he like, looks back down. He turns around to one of the slaves and he says, go and fetch this from the safe deposit area. And you watch as this uh, female slave begins making her way out the back with this brown mousy hair. As she comes back, you can see her holding a box that is probably about a foot by a foot wide. He begins moving it towards, or she, sorry, begins moving it towards this gentleman. He rests it on a table and he gets down from his area. And as he gets down towards you, you can see that um, his robe is a lot longer than he is because he only stands three foot tall. You watch then as the robe follows him, the hair falls down to the ground and he like makes his way over, pulls a stool like over to the table, stands onto it and he opens the box with an arcane sigil. As he does so, you can see that it's full of books. Yay. As you look at it, you can see that the books have varying arcane sigils on them. When I read the name Grand Maester Selwyn, I did not expect someone of your... Well, you. I was expecting someone more arcanely gifted after all. This is one of the greatest treasure troves of spell and arcanas ever brought to the bank itself. Y'all should never trust the reader judge a book by its cover. Well, I guess that is also true. Can I show a feat of magic right now? I am not interested in what you can do. I'm here to do my work. The Crown Corsair demands another tithe paid toward the Demos Totuga by evening. So what is this deal with this Demos Totuga that y'all keep speaking about? Is that a half profits or is there a set amount or do you just have to throw gold at it until it's happy? Well, let me spin your tail, master. Take a seat. And you watch as he claps his hands and he says, tea and crumpets for everybody. Thank you. And you watch as the slaves bring them out for you. Uh, as they do so, he sits down and his little legs don't touch the floor as he's sitting on the chair. And he says, the Demos Tortuga arrived in Metateria some time ago. Some say it was drawn due to the incredible amount of conflict in the Demos Bay brought about by the Great God's War the destruction of the Capitolian army and the Heraclesian League. Well, it uh, it caused its whim to be directed towards Metateri. Now, nobody could enter the Bay of Metateri once it arrived, for he destroyed every fathom and fleet that made its way into the Bay. Until the Crown Corsair and his pirate lords plundered the city of Metateri from the south and in doing so, were able to engage with the Demos Tortuga. To this day, the Crown Corsair is the only one to penetrate his lair, come back with a token, a mantle of this Demos Tortuga and live. As a result of that, he has bargained into an agreement with the devil himself, paying half of the loot that Mediteri and the pirate lords acquire 
in order to destroy every other vessel travels across the bay. So not only is the Crown Corsair one of the greatest pirate legions in all of the continent, but at his command and beck and call is the Demos Tortuga. This Crown Corsair gentleman sounds like a nice fellow. I think maybe we might like to oh, pay a visit. Oh, he is nothing but nice. Unless you are one of his enemies. Where won't we find Mr. Ass here? Well, if you're going to address him like that, I suggest you don't find him at all. But he always resides in his Corsair Spire. Unless, of course, he's in the market for new hirelings, I guess you could say. Then you can find him at the Slave Auction, which is by the Black Tide Tavern. He made a recent purchase yesterday. A very strong orcish individual. He, uh, quite happy with his purchase, too. Got him for a bargain. Yeah, we saw, we saw him make that purchase yesterday. Yes, well, if you've laid eyes on this gentleman, he is a... A sight to behold. He's always well-groomed and a sight for the people. You are lucky. The masses were part for the Crown Corsair. Well, that's uh, that's very good information to know. Now, uh, as for my question, that uh, your delightful guards out the front weren't quite able to answer without having to resort to brawny negligence, do you take writs of gold? Well, yes, I guess we do, but the interest rate upon that is 50%. Oh, that's that's a lot of gold. He looks towards it and he says, yes, it's part of the tax of withdrawal and tie the Mediterri and also the Demos Tortuga tax. Be 50% of the total owed. So upon 20,000 gold pieces, that would be 10,000 for us. You could also withdraw 10,000 gold pieces and renege the 10,000 and leave in the possession of the Crown Corsair. Perhaps you negotiate with the Crown Corsair first. Maybe they can do you a good deal. 50% is not a good deal. It is the only deal you will get. My orders come directly from him. See, as I said, anything in this bank at the time of takeover, the Crown Corsair has claimed as his own. However, out of the goodness of his heart, he has also allowed me to graciously accept the receipts and writs that uh, come through the doors of the previous patrons. See, he doesn't want to anger the masses, so to speak. Hmm. Yeah, sounds like we might take it up with, with him ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> See, one does not just simply walk up to the Crown Corsair and pay him a visit, so to speak. He's always surrounded by an entourage of his pirate lords. He has 15 of these. They will do all the liaising before you just go and uh, <coughs> see the top dog, as it were. Now, my friend, uh, I can understand from your station, you might see this as a fact, but uh, we'll take your your advisement under a grain of salt, I think. My humble advice is, uh, well, it's free of charge, put it that way, but what you choose to do with it, that is completely up to you. If you would like to see yourself in a box by this afternoon, then by all means, go it your way. Ten grand. Yeah, we'll take it. Thank you. That is a very wise decision now. And you watch as he, like, claps and gets the slaves, pulls it all out for you, yep. and it takes about... 10 or so minutes for all the slaves to be able to do it. And you watch as he meticulously counts it, writes it off of a ledger, and you, he looks so towards one of the slaves. Yeah, as he's doing that and he's ticking them off the ledger, I'm looking at Key and I'm looking at Shavi and I'm winking. So as he does that, you watch as he ticks them off and instructs the slaves to bring them back into into the, the coin room. Just make sure that these go back into the Demos Tortuga Tithe. We are running a little short. You watch as he says that the bags begin to get brought back into the the back. What would you guys like to do? Is this happening? Okay. I immediately stand up. Are we all in a 15 feet radius? You all are sitting around a table 15 feet away because you are all sitting there having tea. Okay. So as you sit around this table, looking between each other as he is talking to his uh, army of coin moving slaves, you have a moment to whisper. What do you say to each other? We've been teaching Drew's these can't over the last few weeks. We wink at Key and uh, Shavi and I are doing Thieves Can't, basically saying, make a distraction over that way. So I'll say what happens is you get up and begin walking to the front door to leave. And as you do so, you open the door with a flourish, like it flings open. You walk out, you dig to the side, you put on the ring, and then you duck back in the door before it closes. As you do so, roll a stealth check with advantage, please, as the door <coughs> closes. You hear uh, this individual say, it looks like your friend wasn't too good at being patient. <laughs> he has digestive problems. You are unseen. As you begin <laughs> walking towards the back room that houses all the coins, you move past these slaves that are carrying bag after bag back into the Demos Tortuga Tithe. 
as you walk into this room, floor to ceiling, gold billions. And this room is like 20 to 30 feet long. You can see this tithe is extensive. Wow. I'm filling the bag as much All as right. I can. Uh, roll oh, a sleight of hand check. 17. You watch as you're hearing this clinking. You're being as careful as you can. You get about 1,000, 2,000, 2,500. And as you do, you watch as this slave stops what they're doing. As you turn around, you can see that it is a bald man with a copper ring tattoo. And he just drops the bag. And you invisibly look towards him as he's looking towards the gold billions. He watches, he turns around and he's about to shout. He says, Thieves! And at that point, the three of you inside look towards the individual, the halfling, and says, Lock the doors. And you watch as he clicks his fingers and you watch as the individuals around him rush towards the doors and put a wooden plank through them. He watches, he stands up and he says, Well now, you take in the hospitality of the Crown Corsairs. You take what is yours, yes, but you renege on the deal. Excuse me? There is a thief amongst us. You watch as the slave Uh, runs out. Excuse me. It sounds like you are insinuating that me and my friends are thieves. What proof do you have to insinuate such a degrading statement among me and my friends? It's at that moment you watch as the bald head slave moves back and he says, "In In the tithe room, the gold billions, they were moving themselves and then disappearing. Y'all are calling us thieves because Baldy here saw something. It's at that point he stands up and says, Baldy here just happens to be one of the most observant slaves that I own. You stay right here. And you watch as he toddles his way off with his short little legs. Do into I have a chance room. to do something while all that commotion yep. and shouting is gone? Cool, because I definitely want well, to definitely wanna stop what I'm doing, finish packing up, definitely crawl out of that room. Okay, and as you do, you watch as the small halfling and the bald individual make their way in. And you watch as he's meticulously checking off his checklist. And he goes... Yes, just as I thought. You hear that echo through the hallway. Uh, you have about six seconds to act. What are the four of you doing now, uh, Drew, as you make your way back out towards your party who's sitting on the couches? Probably back myself towards like a corner or to like the, a spot where I think I could probably be the most hidden or least likely for someone to run into okay, me. Okay, roll a stealth check. 29. Nobody seems to hear or see you. So you seem to be hidden as the slaves begin meandering their way around. The halfling comes back and he drops his clipboard, drops his pen and he takes his spectacles off. He says, now I don't mean to point any fingers, but I've been running the Crown Corsair Bank and Mint for as long as it has been under his control. And there has not been a single gold billion or coin that has been misplaced or missing until you four arrive. So everybody has a bad day. Excuse me, sir, fall. There's only three of us here. There was four of you previously. The three of you that were here when the coins went missing will see repercussions for your actions. What actions are those? You will either produce the gold that has gone missing, and by my account that is over 5,000, or you will see the noose. You are unfairly suspicious of us. I want to speak to your manager. How many people are inside? The slaves that are there, there's probably 12 and himself. So 13 total people. 12 slaves and just him. Yep. That's it. Yep. You watch as he cracks his knuckles. Now, what will it be? You seem to think that you have some diplomatic bargaining tool, but you watch at that moment as he stands back, takes off his massive robe and his wig. And as he does so, you can see his head's extremely bald. And you watch as he begins to weave this arcane spell as he begins to grow in size. Immediately as he does so, his skin turns green, his head elongates, his mouth just extremely protrudes outwards. He's got this reptilian mouth with these teeth that seem to protrude extra long and he just roars, fills up most of the space of this interior. You can see that he has these tiny little arms and these massive long legs and you can see this massive tail that seems to loop around the backside of you and you hear him just roar and just look towards you and you watch as the slaves make their way into the back room. Looking at this figure, you are looking at a ferocious two-legged bipedal lizard that is barreling down upon you. He lunges down and attempts to bite one of you. And we'll roll initiative there. All right, so we cut in now with this massive reptilian individual with foot-long teeth bearing down on you. It's raw echoing through this area like the final scene in Jurassic Park. It's thumping legs. Once the squat halfling-like figure that operated the Crown Corsair's mint now bears down on you a ferocious Tyrannosaurus Rex. 
Charvi, you have initiative, followed by Drew. What would you like to do? Charvi's ready to go. Sees this big, giant, terrifying lizard and unafraid by it and unfazed. Climb up it. Okay. First of all, you need to roll a acrobatics check. 17. You watch as its tail whips partway through as it's thrashing about in this area, this spell taking effect on the individual. As it does so, you duck the tail that whips along the top of your back. And as it begins to whip back, you time it perfectly, grab onto the tail and are flailing yourself around the bank as it does so. You get yourself onto its tail and begin just tiptoeing up its spine and get all the way to its back. What would you like to do? I'm going to kind of run along it then up to its head slash neck area and I'm coming down with some daggers. All right, roll your attacks, please. It is not a surprise, so you do not have assassinate. 21 was this. Hit. 28. 28 points of damage. Yeah, not bad. Okay, so with 28 points of damage, you drive these blades into this neck of this creature and you watch as this arcane flare happens as you embed into its flesh, like spell attacking spell. Uh, He's going to roll a concentration check. He has advantage on those because he's Warcaster. That will be a 17, which will succeed. Cool. Can I attack him again? You sure can. Advantage, but not sneak attack. 18 plus 8 is 26. That is a hit. Roll your damage. Uh, 11. So as you drive these blades in, you just sort of twist them around and that does the damage for the extra and you withdraw them and you watch as the T-Rex just sort of bucks upward and roars into the ceiling and it is making a hell of a noise in this area. You look around and you can see the slaves have made their way into the back room where the doors have also been barred and shut. Uh, That then brings us to Drew's turn. Oh, baby. (laughs) Drew puts one knee onto the ground, fingertips on the ground, and he's going to cast one of his new spells that he just got called Conjure Woodland Beings. And what you guys see is a bunch of little pixies pop out all around the T-Rex. You four pixies, and they just, yeah, pop up around the room, just floating about, little pixies dangling, and that'll end Drew's turn. Then the pixies are up next, and all four of the pixies are going to cast a spell called Polymorph, and with that, the four pixies are going to turn the crown killers, all four of you guys, into giant apes. (laughs) Yeah, baby! Then the pixies gonna piss off to the far corners so you watch as these pixies come in they surround the head of this tyrannosaurus reptilian creature as it bucks uh shavi into the air you watch as this green nature-like energy emanates through the atmosphere hits each of the crown killers and you watch as each one of them just like a pop their figures immediately erupt into the form of these massive gigantic apes ready for combat and you see these four gorillas bearing down on this large lizard-like creature. It's at that moment you watch as the pixies flutter their way towards the back corner. It is going to roll an intelligence check to see if he knows what's going on. He retains his own mental stat. Uh, He definitely does. He knows that this has happened and he knows exactly who he needs to hit in order to stop the polymorph. Just swipe undo. It's your turn. All right, well, I'm a giant ape now. I'm going to double fist him. Is a 27. 27 will hit 26. 26 points of damage. Beautiful. 13. 13 will miss. I'm going to use this inspiration to show the 19. Does that hit? 19 does hit. Yeah, sick. 18 points. So it has to make two concentration checks. The first one needs to beat an 11. He'll have advantage, uh, which he succeeds. The second one will need to beat a 10, which he does succeed as well. So the spell maintains, but he does indeed take the damage all the same. So these three apes just start jumping all over the creature. Uh, You can see if a Tyrannosaurus reptilian lizard could panic, he's looking pretty panicked, Uh, which brings us to his turn. Uh, The first thing that he's going to do is he's going to start his multi-attack with a tail whip, and he's going to attempt to swipe Shavi off of his back with a tail whip. So that is a 29. So 18 points of bludgeoning damage as the tail smacks across you. Uh, I'll get you to roll a dexterity save to see if you can stay atop him. Uh, It is an eight, sir. An eight. So you fall off. You will take an additional one point of bludgeoning damage as you hit the floor. He's going to walk away and beeline towards the fairies. You all get an attack of opportunity on him. You with disadvantage, Shavi, because you are a prone monkey boy. 15. That is a hit. 13 on disadvantage. That is a miss. Yeah, I rolled a five. That is a miss, unfortunately. So two monkeys hit the ground, just sweet. You 
purposefully hit this creature, hitting him with an 18. He's going to roll, got to be the 10, which he does so only just though with an 11. You, he will take the 18 points of damage. Nice fist on his back rump as he begins running away towards the pixies. He's going to use his last part of the multi-attack to roll a bite attack against one of the pixies. So that will be a 28 to hit. And against one of the pixies, he will incur 38 points of damage. Oh, the pixies have pixie. one health. So <laughs> one of those pixies will die. I'm rolling a D4 to see. Are oh, you going to do it? Okay. Yep. Um, to see who drops their polymorph. Shavi, mm -hmm. you drop your polymorph. Okay. So you are back as a Shavi form. Key's turn as that ends his turn. Key's just turned into a big ape and he's just looking at himself going, oh my God. And he looks at the T-Rex and he sees the T-Rex has gone to the fairy. Um, now, in saying that, big is the T-Rex in comparison to each ape? Are I we believe the same you guys size? are large and this thing is huge. So it's about double all of your size. Am I large enough to tackle? Yes. Okay. I'm going to I'm gonna run over it and... There's only one, one size larger than you, which you can do. I'll, I'll run over and I'll start back. So first attack. 17 will hit. Oh, 17. 17, 17. 17 points of damage. He'll roll his concentration check. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's a five. Miss. You watch as Key goes to punch a second time, but as he does so, it doesn't seem to penetrate the hide of the creature. Uh, that then brings us top of the round to Shavi's turn, who has recently turned back into a little halfling boy. I'm still down on prone. Yes, you are, which yep. takes half your movement to get up. And do, I'm uh, going to get up. Okay, so you're no longer prone, but you do have half your movement left. Cool. How far away am I? You are, look across the lobby and you are approximately 25 feet away. Okay. Well, I'm going to use my normal speed. Use my dash. I'm getting back up on top. Okay, so your bonus action allows you to dash. As a rogue, you can bonus action dash. So you get up into his grill, and I need you to roll an acrobatics check to get up onto him again. Uh, 22, sir. 22 is perfect. As you jump up onto his leg that seems to stomp, you grab onto the knee and use a blade in his thigh to just flick yourself back onto his back. You are you have gained purchase. So is he still long ways, or is he up? Or? He's kind of up at the moment. Uh, but when he attacks with a bite, he will go down to hit the uh, ferret. Cool. Well, if he's up, I want to kind of go up, get my dagger and slide down. Okay. Easy enough to do. You can get an attack. There is an ally within five feet, so you'll get sneak attack, but not advantage. 26. So sneak attack. 20 damage. Thank you, sir. He takes that 20 damage and you watch as he fails his concentration check. He's a small boy. You watch as the spell that creates this polymorph you watch as he begins to shrink with the dagger in his back. You watch as he begins to uh, metamorphosis back into this weedy creature with this long black robe. And you can see his bald head and spectacles just hanging along the ground. And you can see him just sort of standing there, still viciously an arcane user. But even so, you watch as uh, he, is, he is there. I'm just going to say, just so we're on equal terms now, and you can understand me, my name is actually not Grandmaster Thelwyn. My name is Shavi, and you can... Shove it up your ass. You watch as he looks to you and he says, Oh, that isn't the only trick that I have up my sleeve, Shavi. And then that will be Drew's turn. Excellent. Drew's going to ape form run and give him the bop bop. That's a, was that a 24 and a 15? A 24 will hit and, okay, have you closed the distance too, have you? All right, so ape Drew bounds across like mighty Joe Young and as he does so lands one punch directly onto this mage who takes it is flattened into the ground and he puts up an arcane shield just enough for him to be able to withstand the attack that'll be my turn and then the three pixies are all going to turn invisible yes very mm -hmm. good but they are invisible you watch as these pixies just blink out of existence almost like they're waving goodbye cheekily and these pretty young things just move away golden dust following their light hey can I please get Jusweed to have his turn? I'm going to also run over just and uh, bippity-boppity. Go for it. 12. 12 will unfortunately miss. 23. 23 will hit. Roll your damage. 25. A big bippity-boppity-boop. Okay, so he definitely takes the brunt of that. And you watch as he starts to look pretty messed up. His arcane shield now sort of dropping as he's uh, getting absolutely pummeled by these Heaps, if you imagine just being brutality by, yeah, these fists are just coming down on him like rain. He will, uh, yeah, look, he will cast Polymorph on himself again. Uh, you watch as he 
weaves his hands around, puts the hands onto his chest, and you watch as he gets down on all fours this time. He gets this hulking tank of a body. These three horns protrude from his head, and you watch this parrot-like beak head towards you. You watch as this goring tail flips around. He is turned into a triceratops. Is he still a huge monster? He is still huge. He is as big as he was when he was a triceratops. Oh, sorry, when he was a T-Rex, but he is now a triceratops. He will use his movement to wheel himself. Are you still on his back? Oh, yeah. you're not. He was, no, a, he was a person. He went small again. So. Okay, so no longer in his back, Shavi. He will move through you guys, but towards the back there. So, Shavi, you will get an attack of opportunity on him if you wish. I would okay. love one. And me too. Key and Drew will not because he hasn't left their sphere of attack because he's moved through you guys towards the back yeah, of those but two, but just Sui and Shavi will. 11. 11 is unfortunately a miss. I got a 27. 27 will hit. 22 damage. Thank you, sir. Very nice. He will do a concentration uh success uh with those out of the way his turn being up it is keys go i'll just uh move over and start hitting him with my fist just like, swing down pommel him 17 17 is a hit for sure yeah okay 17 17 points of damage then my second attack the 10 so that will be a hit as well 28 points 20, of damage 28 oh. points of damage so he had to roll above hey. 14 he got a 17 uh but he does take the damage Shavi. I'm gonna run straight up Drew's back and I'm going straight on top of Mr. Triceratops. Roll an acrobatics check, please. You have 25 feet of movement, correct? Yes, sir. You may get there. Uh, that's a 24, sir. Yes, you definitely make it with that. You flip as you leap off of the hand of the thrusting Drew, which gives you a little bit of momentum to hang onto the back of this Triceratops, holding both its horns. You're on its face. Cool. I just want... Okay. I want to get my, both my daggers and shove them into both its eyes. Go for it. Roll your two attack. You'll have sneak attack mm -hmm. because you have allies within five feet. That's a 14. That is a miss. And that will be a 24. That will hit. 17 damage. Beautiful. Okay, so he succeeds his concentration check. Brings us to Druid's turn. Excellent. All right, monkey boy coming at him again. Two attacks. Mm -hmm. That is a 20 and a 21. Both will hit, yes. Two, so that's 17 for the first attack. And that is a 18 for the second attack. This goring triceratops is just getting pummeled by apes and blades from every direction. You see its orange scales sort of flare with the arcane arts that Shavi seems to be stabbing him with in his eye hole socket. <laughs> that then brings us to Jasui's turn. This form, the arcana that is producing this form, is looking very, very rough. Bash time. All right, roll your attack. One of them's a 23. That's going to hit. Okay, the 11 misses, the 23 hits. 25. The 25 yeah. points of damage, you watch as the two fists punch him. <laughs> the last one breaks like shattering a window and the form of the Triceratops goes and the form of the halfling-looking mage remains. Surely he's hurt. Oh, he's hurt. His turn. He makes his hands into a, a clasping formation with his hands steepled and as he does so, you see fire emanating within. He expands it to like him holding a beach ball and extends them forward towards Key and Drew. And Damn. at the back of you, he will cast a... F Actually, around his entire form, getting all of you, he will cast a fireball on himself. But you Damn. watch as he also shapes the spell so it does not affect his form. So everybody, mm -hmm. as either apes or your own self, needs to roll a dexterity saving throw, please. Uh, 21. Success. Key? I got 11. Okay, so... Three of you fail, one of you succeed. Shavi, you're the success. You just duck behind an ape and only take part of the brunt, but the rest of you are engulfed in flame and uh, you will take full damage. Shavi, you will take half. Ooh. I'm going to react as well to half that again. Evasion? Uncanny dodge. Thank you. Oh, uncanny dodge, yes. Yeah. So you all take 27 points of damage. Unless you are Shavi, then you take seven points oh. of damage for Shavi. After that, you watch as he looks towards you and he says, I'm not afraid of you. For what fate rests at the hands of the Crown Corsair, that is what I truly fear if I am to fail at my post. So beat me all you will, for I will never give in. And then it brings us to Key's turn. Uh, how's he looking? Um, He's looking pretty... Not good. Let's just say if he was between like 0 and 40, he'd be on like 28 out of 40. <laughs> all right, I'll, uh, I'll bash him with my fist. 20. He will use his reaction to cast shield and it will miss. So okay. your fist punches him. You watch as he just moves his hand up like a windscreen wiper and it hits this arcane force. All right. If I unpolymorph myself, will I have my full turn as a... No. You can't choose to drop the polymorph. 
the pixies can. If you want, you can. Oh, okay, if you guys okay. want, yeah, just yell out to the pixie and say, "Turn it back into a human." All right, <laughs> and, but and if, they will do so on their next. Turn. Yeah. All right, I'll attack again with my fist. Okay. That's not going to hit. That's only a six. Okay. The fist hits the shield and unfortunately does not go through once again. To Shavi's turn. Let's give him a jibby jab. All right, let's roll for a jib. That's a 19. So that will not hit. That will miss. Let's so your blade hits his arcane shield. Now let's roll for a jab. 24. 24 is going to hit. 23 damage. Hmm. Yeah. If you had your jib, he would be jabbed. Uh, <laughs> Drew, you're up. Excellent. Uh, monkey boy to attack. Let's go, baby. Damn. One is a three, so that'll miss. But the other one is an 18 plus nine is a 27. That will hit. Roll your damage. 33 damage. Doing lethal damage. Absolutely. Okay, what does it look like as you flatten this halfling pancake into the ground? His bald head and money-counting fingers broken in every way. I think that sums it up pretty well. Monkey rage just pummeling into the ground. Fuck, that was cool. Okay, so you pummel him into the ground and you watch as the rest of the monkeys join in in doing so. He becomes a... (laughs) (laughs) His bones now powder. He just got showed the King Kong food. Excellent. And then... (laughs) (laughs) Literally drew hand in the air like Pixie see it. Everyone's back into a human. And then Drew's running for the vault again. (laughs) He's just finished pummeling the, the, the corpse now. He runs over and he says, hey... How do cats like their steak? (laughs) Then as Drew begins to walk towards the safe, as you do so, towards the back of the area, you can see a large doorway that seems to be made of solid stone appears to be closed where it was previously open. The vault's closed. Looks that way. You recall that the 12 slaves that were in the building uh, ran in this direction and seemingly locked themselves in there. I lock pick it. Uh, you look at it and it doesn't appear to have a locking mechanism that you can see. At that point as well, roll perception checks, please. I'm thinking, do we need to make a quick getaway here before we get in trouble? 14. 20. Nat- unnatural. Oh, Nat 20. Nat 20, uh, baby. 24. Okay, so the only one that hears it is Drew. You hear the bustle of the city outside, but amongst that, you hear the sound of an authoritarian voice that says... Enter the bank. Whoever is robbing my wares, they'll meet a swift end. And you hear that coming from the front. All right, well, then as soon as I hear that, I'll probably shout out and say, boys, it sounds like there's people outside. And as they do that, I'm going to cast Pass Without Trace and put the Ring of Invisibility on. I'll run, run next to the guys so they all get that as well. And I'll say, let's, let's be invisible, boys. So you need to roll stealth checks. Drew, you roll with advantage. 38. Okay. Or 30 even for me. 28. I got 36. You hide in your various places. Uh, one of you, I'll say, under a under a couch. The other one up above uh, in a windowsill. Uh, Drew, you can just stand wherever you please. Yeah, I think I'm going to stand near the sort of door to see. So at that point in your hiding spaces near the door, you hear banging, thudding, and you hear all of you at this point, an authoritarian voice, the same one you had heard before, Drew, outside say, move out of the way. You watch as the door shines with arcane light and then stops and you watch as the entire wooden structure of the door just falls onto the ground. You watch as cool. this individual with grey chopped hair, a very finely refined sort of goatee beard and these two hooped earrings, black makeup under his eyes, rubs his fingers together as if he just touched something dirty and he steps onto the door and walks in elegantly. You can see him still holding his hand up. He clicks his fingers and he says, search the place. And you watch as there is about 20 individuals that flood through. One of them you recognize as Rodessa Reed, the pirate captain of the Crimson Wing. Another one you recognize, you especially just we, as Monfrey. As they walk in, they begin searching the area. You watch as this individual, known as the Crown Corsair, the you, walks into the center of the room, turns around, and you can see points of damage he looks over to the puddle that was his bank teller and you see him look in disgust he turns around to somebody that he's talking to rubs his fingers together and he says there's been some arcana use here get the spell sages they'll sweep this place if anybody's hiding magically we'll find them one of the individuals 
begins moving out. You can see he's a bugbear individual with this heavy, heavy cutlass on his shoulder, on his side. He begins walking out, and you can hear him growling just as he gets to the doorway. As he gets to the doorway, Spell scanners, we need you in here. The Crown Corsair demands it. And you watch as these two individuals walk in, both of them merfolks. Is there any room for us to sneak out when they're coming in? Drew, definitely. I'll, I will honor your stealth check and you can walk out if you want to, Drew, because you're invisible. But that yep. leaves us. Yeah. So the bugbear's in the doorway. Can I peer and see how far away the spell stage is? Like, it's just a bugbear and then a big open sort of area for us to... There looks like there's a group of people, a lot of slaves and more pirates, buccaneer sort of individuals in the courtyard outside. Mm-hmm. There seems to be about an additional 10 or 15 there and 20 have, have walked in. Is there other entry points or windows? There is windows all yeah. around this area. Mm-hmm. There is three big windows on either side that shine the sunlight in. Are they um, oh. openable windows? or they, they seem like they're stained glass. So they're smashable. Maybe if the glass isn't too thick or arcanely enchanted, it's up to you guys. But you watch as this bugbear begins walking his way back in. His back turns on all of you and he makes his way back to the Crown Corsair who stands there, his grey glistening hair and what light shines through the windows. You watch then as the two merfolk come in past the doorway and stand next to the Crown Corsair who says, get in the room. Let's see if we can get out first. Let's go. Roll again? Uh, yes, because you are considering a moving. 31. 35. 35. As you begin making your way out, you peel your way out of the shadow. A very hard task given how light it is in here, but you make your way towards the door and you duck out of its frame. Drew, you walk out as if you own the place. And as at that moment, you stand on the stairwell, hiding in the shadows of the recessed outside of the building, listening to what's going on inside with 15 Crown Corsair individuals in the courtyard below you who don't appear to have noticed you yet. You take off into an alleyway to the left, the three of you running and jumping off of the landing as you do so. As you begin to run, you watch as Drew also follows you off that landing invisibly. You can just see the splash that he hits the muddy floor onto as he leaves the steps. You take a moment, move behind an alleyway, take a deep breath, exhale. It's at that moment, through the echo of the once previously crowned Corsair Mint, you hear, Find those fuckers and bring them to me. I want their heads. And at that point, you hear everybody begin moving out of this area. The Crown Corsair moves out of this stage and stands there next to him. You see four or five of his pirate lords, one of them being Redessa Reed. You watch as they stand and watch as the slaves and all of the men under his command scatter throughout the city. That's it for this week's episode of D&D Valiant Odyssey. Thank you so much for tuning in. We really do appreciate it. If you liked what you heard, make sure you go over and give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and also a five-star review on Spotify. It really helps. It really, really does. If you want to be involved in our community further, make sure you go and check out our Instagram. We are running some polls on there. So if you want to have your say on the future of the Odyssey, please make sure you go and follow and subscribe to those services. Be valiant. And we'll see you next time.